Happy belated Thanksgiving, everybody. It's Friday, November 25th. Chapo coming at you. Uh, it's me and Matt today. Felix is the only one who had to travel for Thanksgiving, so he is traveling at the moment. But please do not despair. We have plenty to be thankful for today, including the return of beloved Chapo guest, David Roth, subbing in for Felix today. David, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, please don't say subbing in for Felix as are expectations I cannot uh, deliver <laughs> on. But. He's, well, uh, he's, he's Felix's sub. He's uh, in a <laughs> yeah. sub-dom relationship I'm with Felix. Getting topped by Felix, and it feels amazing to be back. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, like I said, uh, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be talking some of our turkeys of the year in a little bit. But, you know, before that, I got to ask, uh, David, have you been watching the footy? Have you been into the World Cup this year? I've been watching a spot of the footy in it. I I can't really, like, watch it with any authority. I don't have, like, the ability to assess a game with anything but, like, vibes, honestly, because, like, I don't, That's I didn't the play the game long enough. It. I never really watched it that much. But the the vibe element of it is fun, and like I think that I'm probably arriving at some amusingly wrong positions that I'm just not posting. Like I watched like 50 minutes of Ecuador earlier, and I was like, "Name a better team. Go ahead. I'll wait. Prove me wrong." And like that uh, David, was demonstrably wrong within the 15 minute window that I had the thought, but I was very sure of it when I had it. Uh, David, I love the World Cup because like, look, I don't follow soccer. I'm not an expert on on the beautiful game, but it's like the Olympics. It's it's a world event that happens every four years and it provides an opportunity for me as an American to just do do an inventory of which countries, their culture and peoples I like and which I hate. And like you, Dave, I was trying to do a, uh, a vibes based uh, sort of pick them uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Spain and Costa Rica. And I was like, you know what? I have good to neutral feelings about both these countries, but you yeah. know what? The Costa Rican national anthem, that goes a lot harder than the Spanish one. I'm picking Costa Rica in this game. And they got obliterated 7 nothing by the Spanish. 7 nothing, which if it were a baseball game would be like 150 to nothing. Yeah, this is basically like a mathematically impossible score to lose a soccer game by. That's also another sort of fun, because like, I don't know necessarily, people say, you know, that certain teams are bad, and Saudi Arabia, which I think was by consensus the worst team in the field, like, beat a very good Argentina team, or at least like an Argentina team that was expected to be respectable, and it was, I didn't watch the game, but I, you know, in because it happened at like 5 a.m. my time, and I'm not dedicated like that, but apparently they played perfect, and that's, you know, but putting yourself in a position recreationally like this is just on your spare time like before the sun even comes up to be like well you gotta hand it to saudi arabia it's like not <laughs> like a smart fan choice necessarily and yet you know whatever i got another two weeks of it and then i'll just go back to switching yeah. it into the off position and crying well, about the yeah like it's uh, the world cup provides opportunity to be faced with this with such questions as which country do i find more annoying france or australia <laughs> And I had to conclude France because some old bat told me to be quiet this summer when I was speaking at a totally reasonable conversational volume in a restaurant in Paris. So oh, fuck France, all hail Australia, even though they lost bums. Okay, so I guess we know what you need to do. You need to root for the team you want to lose from now on. Yeah, yeah you've, got the, you've got the jinx on you. Okay, go England. <laughs> I also feel like the one, something that makes me feel less worldly in this is that I know that there's a lot of like, deeply annoying European cultures that I haven't experienced. Like there's I <laughs> know people that have like beef with the Belgians and Dutch people that is like based on a similar experience to what you had. Like they were just like walking around and like someone like squirted mayo on them from a freight stand and didn't apologize for it. And they're just like, they're like, so absolutely motherfuck Belgium forever. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like I haven't been, I liked in Bruges. <laughs> like that's all. That's all I've got to go on. If anyone, People should definitely hate the Dutch more, uh, it, certainly if they've ever had replies on Twitter. <laughs> the Dutch are notorious as the worst replying nation in the world at Twitter. How does that manifest? It's a guy named like Vliet van Vlas. Like, yeah, it's like Vliet van Vlorp is going to show up to like do like actually uh, in your every time. It's some guy. He's from Splorgendorp. <laughs> And he's got like a background of just like a bicycle. Nice. They, they just they have like a really exceptional logical fallacy pedagogy program over yeah, there, yeah, like K through twelve. Yeah, it's a nation of engineers. Like you know, they only exist because they figured out how to do fucking windmills and and dikes and stuff. Very bore, very annoying. Well, I mean, 
if you're watching footy, you gotta have Scran. I mean, you gotta have Scran. That's you the gotta have Scran. Have you been having good Scran, David? Simple as. Yeah, I've been doing my best. It's weird because a lot of these are morning sports for me. So all the real good Scran picks that you can find, I think it's <laughs> at Footy Scran on uh, Twitter, which I can't recommend enough. Are like it's either some like a hot dog boiled for an hour <laughs> at Millwall FC, <laughs> or it's like legitimately like restaurant grade looking stuff from yeah. like. Korean club soccer where they're sort of like, well, this isn't the best bento box they have there, but this is the one I got. <laughs> or it's just like a plastic cup with just bean juice in it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the smack barm at uh, uh. <laughs> the barms. The barms are so good. The British yeah. need an intervention with their uh, pee deal. It's like, what is, what happened to you? As I, I got to believe that that's all related to like the Brit, the blitz and austerity Britain. Where they're all fixated on a pile of mashed up peas. Do you know about the the pea wet situation as a sandwich oh, yeah. topping? All right, yeah, I, I figured the, that it, the, the water from the peas. Yeah, not the peas. Pea themselves. water as a seasoning. <laughs> yep, <laughs> as a condiment. Do you mind if I wet this sandwich up for you a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the classic Italian wet beef, but it's like you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, but no, wait a minute. That, that's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The gravy from the the slow roasted beef. No, thank Get you. Get that shit out of here. Yeah, the Italian <laughs> beef does not compare to like a sandwich that is just like a hot dog bun filled with French fries covered with the water from canned peas. <laughs> like they are notionally the same. Like, but it is not in any way. Uh, come on, England. Let's uh, let's let's bring it home. Let's do it for the Queen, lads. The let's bring it home. Lions. They are uh, not to date this episode, but I think they have an appointment to beat the United States terribly in like 20 minutes. Yeah, no, it's on right now. Oh, is it? All right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's on right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess the other, the other thing I've been enjoying is uh, the American sports media, like um, covering uh, Qatar or like the, the World Cup in Qatar, and they don't really know what to make of it. But the thing is, like, they're perfect. They're perfect simps for the, you know, the emir of Qatar because they've been covering the NFL for years. And like, right. there's not that much difference between a, the, the emir of Qatar and, I don't know, uh, Dan Schneider or Jerry Jones. No, I don't think so. I mean, certainly in terms of like, if you're going by like, absolute villainy rankings like no it's kind of a very similar like percentage i think also like I, so i haven't been i was in doha for like this was like four jobs ago i went over there when they were just got the world cup and they were starting construction on stuff and it's a very strange place i mean it was strange then just in the sense that it was like 75 percent construction sites completely unwalkable i don't think i met more than like one or two people that actually were cuttery like everybody that works there is from someplace else but the city itself, as I have seen it reported on, it's like they build these for wherever the Super Bowl is. The week before, there's it's just media week, and they build these like fan villages. They did one when the Super Bowl was at Giant Stadium. They did one at Times Square that went from 42nd to 34th Street. And it's all just like the Oldsmobile fan experience tent where you like wait on the line and then you can get your picture taken with like a Buick <laughs> and then, like, you just leave the tent, and that's the whole thing. And it seems like that's what, like, Doha has, like, completely transformed itself into that, just with, like, active sports in it, as opposed to, like, you know, a giveaway every hour for, like, a, whatever, a jersey that says Toyota on the back. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the FIFA is unique in how gross it is. Like, I feel like Dan Snyder is a uniquely American pathogen you know that like you know like, and you know sort of to his credit i guess just in the sense that he's like litigious and weird and like much shorter than you'd expect and like the last the one time i saw him covering an event he was wearing a full suit and a baseball cap like someone who'd been either like he looked like me at my bar mitzvah but he looked more like the general aesthetic was like the worst nba lottery selection imagine like a very like expensive suit and then just like a logo cap stuck on top of it but the fifa sort of infrastructure like johnny infantino and like these weird sort of like euro creatures that get elevated to the top of that structure are like it's sort of like the ioc but it's also unique like those are guys that it's, like it's somehow have, even more corrupt than the international yes. committee. <laughs> yeah, just like a completely bribe-based life form. Like I don't <laughs> like Johnny Infantino has evolved to just like eat cash transfers. Like no food <laughs> enters his body. Like he is sustained entirely through like, uh, Johnny anonymous baby. contributions of euro. Johnny baby, yeah. it's Johnny baby, head of John pizza. baby. You saw his very good, uh, like the Andrew Cuomo type speech that he made. Oh yeah, we talked about that. We talked All about right, that. Yeah, I I, yeah, I'm I'm gay. I'm a migrant. Today, <laughs> I'm today I feel migrant. 
<laughs> well, uh, moving on from uh, the beautiful game, let's talk about some uh, extraordinary lames. It's, that's right, folks. It's uh, turkeys of the year, and I want I want to start this off by uh, there was a, uh, a this was a tweet from the um, House uh, Republican Judiciary Committee from October sixth of this year before the midterm elections. That is barely even two months old. But uh, there's a lot going on in it. I think it's a good jumping off point. The tweet was just simply Trump, period, Elon, period, Kanye, period. And not even like barely two months ago. And like leaving Trump aside, has there been two people whose reputations have cratered faster or harder in the, in the, after the, the following two months than Kanye West and Elon Musk? <laughs> and like, I, I don't know where to start with this. We got Kanye going full black Hitler. And you've got Elon solidifying himself, David, in your words as, I mean, it's one of those things that we all knew, but I'm, I'm, I, I, other people I'm sure have said it. But when I, when I read your post about it, I was like, holy shit, yes, Elon Musk is the worst poster of all time. Which is a remarkable thing, like if you've spent a lot of time on Twitter, because there's like, this was, there were a lot of, uh, everybody's been in kind of a retrospective mode on the site since Elon brought it where they're sort of like, you know, like obviously I'm going to miss you guys, but do you remember the time that that one lady was like, I don't care that that kid got eaten by an alligator. <laughs> we had a great time then. Right. Like that's yeah, like, we great. all. And so like, there are posts that I think are generally like sort of the chalk pick as the shittiest thing ever to appear on the website. And yet Elon posts like 200 times a day. Most of them are him just sending the raffle emoji to cat turd two <laughs> for like whatever he posts. But he's like he has brought less, I think, than anybody who posts at that volume like that I could possibly imagine. Like, I don't know what else you could do. You described him, David, as a rolling on the floor laughing emoji donkey. And like, <laughs> I just can't, I, I can't get, get that out of my head. He is such a fucking donkey. And like recently he's he's stepping up his game and being an atrocious poster. And uh, there's one guy that's sort of like gotten under his skin recently. It's Stephen King. Because Stephen King was the first guy for like rolling out Twitter blue to just be like, fuck you. You should be paying me to be on this fucking website. What are you talking about? I'm the value add here. Not <laughs> you bring nothing to the table. I'm Stephen King. And so Stephen King uh, tweeted the other day, pretty soon the only advertiser left on Twitter will be my pillow. And then Elon unleashes a blizzard of replies to him. <laughs> to like to, to no reply from Stephen King. He just goes, oh, hi, LOL. Is my pillow actually a great pillow? Now I'm curious. Headline, Stephen King tweet causes pillow sales to skyrocket. L-M-A-O-O-O-O-O. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> it's just his sweatiness, his thirst. It's just he's such, he's a reply guy to like the lamest cretins on this website and does nothing but steal other people's jokes and just like rolling on the floor laughing to the most like room temperature IQ dog shit memes anyone has ever created. Yeah. He also doesn't have any of, like the sweatiness is really the part of it that, that blows me away with it too. Cause it's like some people just aren't very funny and that's like, not like, I don't want to be like ableist towards the humor impaired. Like he's just like, that's, <laughs> he might not have the stuff, but he, the, in that King bit, which I also thought was like a really, you know, compelling text for something that had that many L M A O O O O's in it was like, he came back like 12 hours later and you know, he's not fucking sleeping because like all the Silicon Valley guys, he's just like, receiving intraspinal amphetamines 24 <laughs> hours a day. But he, just, he came back 12 hours later that was just like, hey, I, I came up with another bit. Um, what if you made my pillow the best-selling product on Twitter? Just thinking about that. Okay, uh, thank you. Love your work. But, <laughs> but the circling back bit is like, I mean, it's like a very early days Twitter mistake. That is a fundamental error. That is getting your feet crossed yeah. on defense. <laughs> I mean, that's and, why he had to buy the goddamn website so that people yeah. would like like his posts. Yeah. I mean, I think he wanted to be like the guy. And I guess, you know, whatever. Obviously, I guess you got to tip your cap to him on this. Like he wanted to be the most important person on the website. Like and he, it's true. And he did it like in the, I guess in the same way that sort of that Trump was. But even the people yes. that fucking hated Trump were kind of like, all right, well, you know, whatever. I guess he got a hold of that one or like for a while anyway. I think by the time he he was finished, he was pretty well finished. But that like, yeah, Elon doesn't have the range to sort of pull that off. So it's just like elevating, like not just the worst, but like maybe the most tiresome guy on the site. 
to being like the poochie that conversation is always <laughs> circling back to. And I mean, the contrast between him and Trump in this regard is fascinating to me because, you know, he's begging Trump to he's reinstated Trump's account. He's begging him to get back on the platform, even though Trump is <laughs> sticking to truth social for the time yep. being. But the thing is, like Trump, I guess, like, you know, I mean, like he, he, he used the medium to great effect, but it didn't really seem like he was ever really needed it. You know, I mean, it helped him out to a great deal. But like, you know, now he's not he's not begging to come off because he then Trump knows you never want to look thirsty. You never want to look, you know, too, too eager. Yeah. And the thing is, like, Trump has changed the way we all think and speak with his posts and like making him, I think, a contender for the greatest poster of all time. Yeah. And Elon's attempt to kind of like like claim that man buy that mantle for himself is so pathetic. And whenever you like uh, make fun of Elon for how fucking just how like just desperately ham fisted he is, you always get the same thing about people being like, oh, I guess I guess you just don't like him ideologically. And I'm like, well, no, I don't. But I don't like Trump ideologically either. And, I, and look, fair is fair. I've been giving him his due for years now. <laughs> yeah. Well, Trump had to actually run for president. Like, yeah, he, he wanted to be the guy who was on TV all the time. And he figured out being tech president's the way to do that. And then God bless him, he did it. And he bas- and he spent basically zero money to do it, by the way. Yes. He made money running for president. That's uh, the other thing that really like sets him apart from and I think it's like there's obviously a lot of things that Donald Trump wouldn't respect about Elon Musk. I think I don't think Donald Trump really respects anybody that wants his approval at all. Like no. I think he actually hates. Oh, them. you want you like me? Fuck off. Yeah, right. I mean, this was always like, again, of all the things where like handing it to a guy that you don't like that was always the funniest undercurrent of all of his live events where he would like be in like allentown pennsylvania and be like how fucking funny would it be if i left right now just left you all here in the cold you know like that's like that was what he wanted he didn't want to fucking be there with these hogs that were like doing the the mega church hand lift whenever he was talking they didn't care about that when he when he was talking about the complaining about the toilets and how they weren't they weren't handling the big dumps He's like, you, you're big. The, the dumps are too big. You can't, you can't flush them. And then he says, "Not me, you." Which is so good. You, you, you clog the toilets with the giant shits. To, you fucking. They're donkeys. trying to stop your successful toilet experiences. I'm just standing in their way. <laughs> Which is so, it was so good. That especially that bit of it because I mean. You don't want to go back and relitigate the toilet question. I believe that we actually have discussed that on a previous episode, but that the idea of like, I'm sure that Donald Trump takes some of the most horrifying cubic, like animal kingdom <laughs> style like shits imaginable. And yeah, he has cubed, he has cubed uh, bowel movements. Like it's a, a Wolverine style. Like it just comes out. It's hot pink for some reason. You're just like, all right. It's Scran. He produces yeah. barms. He produces <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's producing some truly barmy <laughs> lights. But yeah, I think um, that's the the difference with with Elon is the like first of all he's got bad taste in who he wants to impress and second of all like he's so all out to impress them that I think that like even I mean I don't know that like Dinesh D'Souza thinks less of him for replying correct sir to like a D'Souza <laughs> post but I also don't think that like D'Souza probably doesn't read his replies like Elon really kind of seems to, and he seems to be like filtering it to be like what, like which like soon to be defrocked red state editor is applying to me. And they're treating him like, like, like a Twitter customer service. They're tweeting, they're treating this motherfucker like he's uh, in a, in a, uh, in a data center in Bangalore or something like dealing with their, uh, their Twitter outage. He's like lost any sense of like dignity distance. And, And it's because he didn't Trump, Whatever you think, he got out there and he got people to pay attention enough to him to vote for him to be president. He just borrowed money to buy the platform. Yep. That's it. It required zero to, anything of him. And he has to deal with like the fucking like guys with statue emojis saying like this is unacceptable and he has to be like right away, sir. Like that is not what you put yourself in hock. That's not the experience that you spent 40, whatever, $54 billion or $44 billion to have. Like, uh, well, I mean, uh, well, I mean, I guess he has come through for them because uh, what, do you, what do you guys make now of like he's uh, he's like shutting down the laser containment grid and Ghostbusters and right. just like it's- letting all the letting all the ghouls back onto the site, which is like, look. I look. I don't own a social media platform, so I don't really have like any opinion to share about content moderation. I will say, and Felix has talked about this. Like the thing that makes Twitter work is that it is the negative site where everyone is there to hate on. 
But like, right. you need the people you hate to be there, which is like why I'm not going to be on Mastodon or Hive or any positive social media network. Like, no, I'm here to abuse public figures and to revel in the the sort of moron of the day. But you know, all but like you know, they 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 they've let the slimers back. back they've loosed them back into the system. <laughs> yeah, every no hot dog stand is safe right now. <laughs> ectoplasmic manifestations shoving filth in their faces yeah that i was trying to think of what it actually seemed like the bit that i which i guess is like basically a ghostbusters gloss was like the bit in cabin of the woods where they're just like a bunch of werewolves are released in an office setting but that's basically been the kind of the, the twitter energy since he's letting him back and there's no bottom to it that like if you let back everybody except for alex jones they're just gonna ask for fucking alex jones like these aren't mm-hmm. people that want to be happy they yeah. want to boss you around. And they also want to make other people unhappy. But, like, fundamentally, like, no matter how many times you try to riff with Cat Turd, all he's going to do is use you. Like, I don't know. I guess you'd have to be Elon not to get that. I mean, Cat Turd Cat Turd's the best one because this is a guy who is a 60-year-old man who is every day diagnosing himself with cyber Morgellons. He's making <laughs> up a new thing that is restraining his posts. And, of course, it's like, what... What would you want? What would be proof that you weren't being de-boosted or whatever the fuck? And it's like, uh, I would be an immortal god emperor of the universe, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, w- I, would, I would achieve, like, machine consciousness like the lawnmower man. I don't know. <laughs> whatever it is, he does not have it. He's just sitting in his disgusting uh, hovel posting. So that means someone is de-boosting him. Someone is demonetizing him. Someone is shadow banning him. And so all day he just is hollering about getting de-boosted and and... Uh, Elon is there looking at the code like, I don't know what he's talking about, but right. you can't just tell him he's insane. The guy's got a million followers for like, like half of his posts are just like the scene where like Brooke Smith is in the well in Silence of the Lambs, but it's Kamala's face. And then like somehow Trump is like Buffalo Bill. And that's just like, that's the gag. That's the whole gag. He's a million followers off that shit. Like what I, I definitely think the question of what more cat turd wants from his experience online is one that I would I would like to see like I want to just I want to go in there and be like cat turd what do you want yeah at, at some point that's what Elon's gonna have to do he's just show up on a helicopter in this guy's front yard yeah like what am I gonna need like, to do to get you into this new differently colored check mark today <laughs> I mean I think the answer is. Doesn't matter how many followers you have. Doesn't matter if you're shadow banned, throttled, or put put in the um, the good boy woke fast lane. What does anyone want from a Twitter experience? Unsolicited nudes in their DMs. Yep. If they're a man, <laughs> of course. If they're a man, you know. I'm sure that Cat Turd is getting plenty of those where it's through the sort of like that that MAGA filter where it just looks like a Rothko <laughs> painting. <laughs> Like it's just like a field of light with some yeah. eyes visible at the top of it. And like, yeah, looking good. I need to see you now. <laughs> the most filtered dentist's wives of <laughs> Central and Southern Florida. Okay. Oh wow! I just I scroll through these and I, I just look like I'm getting hit up by the aliens from Communion. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, I, I guess, like, you know. Like, uh, uh, the, the other big, the other big news is uh, uh, Kanye West had, had his Twitter account back reinstated, and he's used it to uh, announce a presidential run for 2024. But this is like coming on the heels of the, a week in which he has just been um, just vibing and hanging out with his new creative team, which includes um, Nick Fuentes, <laughs> Nick and, and look, Milo. And Milo, yep. I mean, look, like, look, before this week, for the last couple of weeks or whatever, like Kanye West, Elon Musk, they, I think there were both people that could be, you know, uh, fairly described or like still, still discussed in terms of being like controversial, but mercurial geniuses. Yep. And man, uh, like, and then going to Mar-a-Lago with Nick Fuentes and having dinner with Trump, I just, I don't know, this is a new level because... Much of the online right and even Trump himself has like, you know, prospered greatly from this sort of kissing cousins routine with, you know, uh, outright ideological white supremacy and fascism. Uh, Nick Fuentes is probably the only guy of which there's like no you, you can't even make a cute tongue-in-cheek bad faith right. argument that like oh like well, he's, he's not oh you just call him a nazi because he's a conservative it's like no like this guy says the holocaust didn't happen but if it did it would be good yeah like he's like <laughs> that's like his whole brand is basically being the one guy who's not playing footsie about it like all yeah. the rest of these dudes are sort of like i'm taking a third position winking emoji this <laughs> is a hundred percent just sort of being like i'd love to put everybody into camps yeah because his audience is uh, all of the guys who have given up completely ever uh, making any other human being uh, a non-uncomfortable in their presence. Like, yeah. oh, 
like that. My life is just any person who is uh, in a room with me wishes they were somewhere else. And yeah, I when, think it's, if that's you, if that's what you're committed to, then you don't want a pussy footing around and you don't want winking. You want something that, you know, other people are horrified by. And that guy who is also in addition to all the bad opinions, just physically repellent. I mean, yeah. he literally eats his boogers on stream. Uh, that's, that's, that's the, the, that's the secret sauce. That's, that's, that's exactly what you want, which means that uh, Kanye's idea of running for president is to make the groipers, not even like the right in some, you know, broad sense, you know, right. like the guys who like Trump, most of them, you know, can m- have eye contact conversations with someone of the opposite sex. Uh, many of them are in fact married. Uh, instead, he's now his his presidential uh, run is going to be t- entirely premised on micro targeting guys who like cannot make eye contact with another person for more than a guys second. who are like in real life shadow banned out of their college's Turning Point USA chapter for being too unsettling, <laughs> which is it is remarkable that that's what it. I mean, the Milo thing was just funny to me because that's just like the definition of freely available like waiver wire reactionary talent at this point. <laughs> It's like if you're starting a presidential campaign and you're just sort of like it's like if you had a basketball team and you could pick anybody like picking Milo first is just basically being like, well, I, all right, Ricky Davis. <laughs> like, I know he's out there. He's not employed right now. And I know he gets a lot of shots up. And that's just kind of I mean, that part of it is is sad. The the Fuentes thing, it's like Fuentes is gross. Maybe I should be more scared of Groypers. Uh, but there is like that element of it where the, it just sort of seems like dedicating yourself to being the most disgusting that you can be like, as long as we've still got anything like politics, that's not a winning proposition to me. Yeah. Though the, though the end, the end political act for these guys is, is not even like phone banking or knocking on a door. It's just doing a mass shooting. Yes, it is. Like, it's that's like, it. Yep. I say, uh, like, think about like, uh, Fuentes personally. That's so funny. Cause like, um, Matt, you and I have actually uh, been in the same room with him. I'm, uh, <laughs> yes, I ran away. I basically, as, as, he, he would talk, we're talking to, to uh, Jared Holt at CPAC and he came up and he is legitimately, he's, fi- he's like five uh, foot five. He's tiny. He, mm. he, he's I think he might be shorter than that. He was he's like three apples. He's high. like he's like he's, t- just, he's like Tom Cruise height. <laughs> he's and, a mini man. And, and he has uh, he has teeth like gross. a dolphin, you know, like yeah. the Dave Chappelle hater sketch where he's just <laughs> got teeth like he's showing he's got teeth like a dolphin. Yeah, he's got these like little like a, like row after row of chiclets in his mouth. And he's just like I, I how do I describe him? Like he has the mannerisms of like an 80-year-old woman. Yeah, yeah, he's all like bunched up like Mr. Burns. Yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's all like uh turned into himself like it's it's very it's unsettling and that's the that's the uh, that's the idea like i've won by making you kind of grossed out by by being there i've defeated i remember him doing like a very conscious trump imitation like in terms of his speech like his cadence and mannerisms when he was first because he was first in the news i think in like 2016 when there was still these kinds of stories where it was like all this conservative student wanted was to be loved at the campus that he was at but he had to leave because everybody thought that he was a disgusting Nazi because of the views that he has, which are those of a disgusting Nazi. But he would like get <laughs> interviewed on TV and be doing like kind of this like Z grade Trump voice where he like I remember him saying like not very nice. But it was like the sort of like the way that like Trump sometimes talks and he's like he's not opening his mouth for some reason. Like he's just made that artistic decision. But seeing someone who was like 18 years old at the time doing it, I was like, this person's going to have an unhappy life. It didn't occur to me that they would that he would like catch on in any way. I mean that that the key here in all facets is whatever your deformity is in life, whatever whatever is uh, uh, you have to double down on and and really commit to if you want to have any hope of uh, of uh, ringing a bell and making anybody care. I mean, this guy he was so committed to being gross that he had dinner with the former president and Kanye yeah. West. He did that. He pulled yeah. that off. They're they're strategizing now. Yeah, never let anybody tell you that you can't achieve your dreams. Of yeah, being as at long the golf as there, club, yeah. <laughs> where there was, I think, also around the same time, but differently. I saw a great picture of uh, baseball Hall of Famer Johnny Bench at what appeared <laughs> yes. to be a, a patriotic men's fashion show at uh, at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> so, like, that's happening in a room near. So, there's like three rooms at Mar-a-Lago. There's like the room where Trump eats dinner. There's the room where the Johnny Bench fashion show happens. <laughs> And then there's a room where they just play Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves 24 hours a day, and it's just full of crying people. <laughs> and so, like, Kanye was in, like, the probably the best of those rooms, but, like, so was Nick Fuentes, so he made it. 
Uh, did you guys see the? Uh, it was a it was a clip from a a dinner party at Mar-a-Lago where they had one of the, the keyboardists from Journey performing "Don't Stop Believing" from Harry <laughs> Lake and Marjorie Taylor Green. <laughs> oh boy, uh, good times. But the, the other funny Nick Fuentes thing, and like uh, Felix has brought this up in the past, it's uh, like talk about like uh, leaning into everything that makes you a repellent person. It was that thing where like he like excommunicated his best friend and number two guy on like the Griper Network because he took a black light into his bedroom and found like uh, cum stains on his sheets. And he, yeah, he they were they were nutting, and you cannot for, be nutting to be a he, real Griper warrior. You got to preserve then, like, that uh, shit. As Felix pointed out, there was like a like pseudo controversy of the Griper world because like someone leaked Discord chats with like Nick Fuentes and his weird friends, where they would like sissy hypno themselves into being cat boys. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, "I've hypnotized you. I- I'm being hypnotized by you. I'm a cat bimbo now. I have a tail. Meow." <laughs> like the real ha- the hazards of semen retention laid plain. <laughs> Yeah, medical professionals will tell you. But then, like, yes, when you see the records where people turn themselves into the thing they hate the most just because they refuse to jerk off, it's really dark. Uh, but you know, I mean, like, and the, Kanye. I mean, Kanye. I mean, like I said, like, has anyone like? Because like, there, there, there were still some threads connecting him to being like, oh, he's a daring artist or something like that. But like, those have been snipped entirely. Like, he is in total freefall at this point. Yeah, and he's like, got I don't the, know. I mean, like, the what thing he, he said he said he he asked Trump to be his vice president. And he said Trump got very mad at that. Um, but I mean, like, it just yeah, what's going on with Kanye? I mean, like, is is the black Hitler thing going to catch on? <laughs> I mean, he's he's going to do his best. I don't think he like any of these guys. You can't just stop doing the thing you're doing. Like, that's the one way that you show that you've either heard criticism or admitted defeat. Can't have so, that. Like, he's, he's stuck with this shit for the rest of his life, I think, which is not you know, 100% what you want, I guess, if you're going to be alive for 40 more years. But I think that's probably, uh, he's, he seems committed to it at this point, if nothing else. Well, like I said, when you're wearing matching outfits with Nick Fuentes and just vibing yeah. with him, it's just, that's, you're pot committed at this point. The thing <laughs> that struck me about this, and this is like to Matt's point about like, Fuentes, if we're going to do physiognomy chat, that there is like this way that like somehow you've worked yourself around to like, the most extreme thing you can do is have the exact political opinions like to the letter of like a bigoted septuagenarian in like extreme exurban Milwaukee like that that like somebody's just like that getting those beliefs into the head of someone who consumes the media that Kanye consumes because I'm assuming he's not watching like Newsmax right like he's got other things in his life I think right like it's but like getting a, a normal person that fricasseed in the brain to wind up there is really remarkable to me. I mean, I don't think he watches Newsmax. He just, because he's a super rich guy and super uh, connected, he just has the people from Newsmax come to him. Like the oh, hangout, yeah. that air, that <laughs> aircraft carrier hangar that he hangs out in with the giant yep. screen where he's watching uh, Blade, Blade Runner. Runner for the 50th yeah. time in a row. That helps him be more normal. Come in there and like wrap it out. <laughs> it's, really... it's like, it's like if, uh, it's like if, uh, Howard Hughes had invited George Lincoln Rockwell to the penthouse of the Sands Hotel <laughs> while they, they watched Ice Station Zebra together and had some ice cream. For a private audience, yeah. I do like the idea that that actually does seem kind of like the con- – in the same way that like I think the only people Trump really reveres are like certain types of on-air talent at Fox – the yeah. idea of Kanye being like, I really want to collaborate with you. I just, I love your work. And like that used to be something that he would have an assistant transmit to like push a T. And now it's just going to like Jenna Ellis – or like Stefan Molyneux or just like some like reactionary YouTube creature that he like wants to get in the studio with him. We got a oh, Lincoln Bill. We got a collab. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we got a cook. Uh, yeah. The uh, first day in the stew with Nick Quintess. <laughs> that should be great. I think the thing that Trump was most perturbed about, me asking him to be my vice president, I think that was like lower on the list of things that caught him off guard. It was the fact that I walked in with intelligence. So Trump is really impressed with Nick Fuentes. And Nick Fuentes, unlike so many of the lawyers and so many people that he was left with on his 2020 campaign, he's actually a loyalist. When he didn't know where the lawyers is, you'll still have your lawyer list. And when all the lawyers said, forget it, Trump's done, there were loyalists running up 
Yep. And the White House. Uh, moving on, though, uh, uh, this is this is like you know outside the realm of uh, uh, politics, but this is certainly another turkey of the year. Did you guys see this um, Los Angeles Magazine article about this woman who plowed through two kids? Really moving stuff. I think it's more. I think, as I recall from the article, it was her Mercedes that plowed through the two kids. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just uh there's some really good stuff in this one this is just like it, it's sort of a question of like why like why this like wildly sympathetic profile of this rich lady who just like murdered two kids with her car yeah where like is this coming that- from like i mean i guess it's just if you're rich you have like lo- good lawyers and pr people that can like see yeah. the media with something like this but like yeah who at los angeles magazine thought this was a that. good idea that's the well, part the of check it. cleared. That was the good idea. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is also weird because it's like, it's a pretty disgusting piece of, of journalism, if you want to call it that. And yet like what she did is so bad and she is so disgusting that I think she still comes off pretty badly in the puff piece that she directly slipped an envelope full of cash to a magazine to run, you know, that like just in noting the facts of it before you get to the, like the lawyered caveats where they're like, she was, I think legit like drinking margaritas with Scott Erickson and yeah. Royce Clayton at a private club. So there's some <laughs> little baseball a, like, connection there. A little yeah, like there's two former one. rated rookies at the very fringe of this story. And then she is racing Scott Erickson home uh, in her car at 80 miles an hour. And like all of like this is the facts of the case. You can't be like someone else was driving. She's not claiming like demonic possession. Like the, the she's bits claiming that she piece, didn't try to restart her car and flee the scene. She's yes. this so those, no are, those are the arguments. It's, restart her car. At no time did I try to flee the scene after I killed two children while driving 80 miles an hour on a surface street. I wasn't racing Scott Erickson home to have sex with him. We're just friends. That's another caveat that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other stuff is like, I wasn't drunk. Like, yeah, it had a margarita, but I passed a field sobriety test at the scene, which I didn't leave, by the way, after my car killed two children. Like, like, how much yeah, money the, do you have to pay to get like, a story that still has all of that in it? <laughs> uh, just the opening paragraph of this story is great. This is not the sort of life Rebecca Grossman was supposed to be living. The 58-year-old former flight attendant turned socialite was meant to be spending her middle years enjoying the bounties of upper-class privilege. Married to one of L.A.'s most successful plastic surgeons, Dr. Peter H. Grossman, founder of the famous Grossman Burn Center, which took in actress Anne Heche after a high-speed crash in Mar Vista in August, and where Jay Leno was treated in November following a garage gas fire. All the she stars had- are here. <laughs> treatment for their horrible injuries. Hollywood died. A spot. Yeah, Anne Heche died. I don't know if this is a, yep. a, a, an advertisement for the Burns, the, the millionaire Burn Center in Beverly Hills. But it says, uh, she had everything a real housewife of Hidden Hills could possibly want. million nine-bedroom ranch house in a gated community right next door to a movie star. Well, Lori Laughlin. A thriving family, two teenage kids and an adopted daughter, a young burn victim Grossman and her husband adopted from Afghanistan in 2002 so that she could be treated at Peter's Hospital. Two horses, five dogs, and a hundred-pound turtle. A wardrobe that would have Lisa Vanderpump biting her knuckles with envy. And an expensive, and as it would turn out, fatefully fast, Mercedes Coupe. Oh, my God. The, the Vanderpump spoof and goof before you hit the yeah. nut graph, which is like about that Mercedes and what it does to children at speed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it says, but then Rebecca Grossman's perfect life became a perfect nightmare. Everything changed in a split second. Overnight, she tells Los Angeles during a half hour Zoom call from her lawyer's law f- office in October. A 30 minute Zoom call. <laughs> It's also like that's it. That's like the minimum amount of time. Like she's was she doing a junket? Like she was just talking to every like West Side magazine that was out there that was willing to write. She about was doing the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable this year. Yeah. With <laughs> it's just so exciting to get together with Scott and Royce. They understand the game so well. We'll be talking to George Miller, director of the upcoming Furiosa, and another driver who is known for <laughs> pushing a car to its limits. Rebecca Grossman. Uh, I mean, like, that's just uh, Los Angeles Magazine. Rebecca Grossman for uh, vehicular manslaughter. uh, That's bad enough. But Los Angeles Magazine, that's a real turkey of the year for uh, publishing this article. I guess that, like, you have to, I don't know. There's no excuse for it. I was going to be like, maybe if it's like keeping the lights on at the magazine, if like the whole rest of the issue was about how disgusting and lawless Los Angeles' socialites are. But there's (laughs) nothing, there's no amount of money that justifies, like, 
building the brand of her husband's burn center by mentioning the like fabulous celebrities who've been very badly burned that were there. (laughs) I mean, Matt, we were talking about this the other day and you said that like, it makes sense because uh, nobody who's in the media can like, uh, like feels empathy for, or can like imagine themselves as like someone who was evicted from their home or like is wondering where the next meal is going to come from. Yeah, but, those people have said, the, that. Yeah, that happened to those people because they they didn't do good enough on tests. They didn't learn. They didn't have the grit to do good work uh, in the computer store. Yeah. Uh, that so you they of course that's going to happen to them. Couldn't happen to me though. But get 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 a, get a few too many uh, Pinot Noirs in you and, and <laughs> just uh, vroom and uh, before you know it, just plow into some kids. Totally plausible. So we have so the, to extend the light of empathy to people. Yeah, there that happens to because it might be me. Yeah. <laughs> right I think that even that's stand. the part of it that's weird about it. I think that people know enough to like be afraid. Like they know that bad things happen all the time. And yet I think this is where like a lot of the like cancel, like the Atlantic strain of cancel culture writing comes from where you're hearing from these people that have like they own their own homes. They got good tenured jobs, but they, they are anxious. Yeah. And the worst thing they could imagine happening to them is like a photo of an old Halloween costume getting out or like sending the wrong email, but they yeah. are petrified by that. Yeah. But that and that's the only way that they can uh, articulate their anxiety because it's the only one that can even can you conceive of. Even though there's plenty of things that could happen to anybody at any time, we can yeah. only really uh, carry around one's uh, narratives that are self ex- uh, self exonerating. Because if yeah. you get if you get eaten up by cancel culture, that by definition is not your fault. That's the fault of this this witch hunt system that is uh, very very unfair. So very unfair to unfair. me. So it's like, well, I mean, like you could you're, you're, you could be worried, but never have to address any literally anything that is in your life, anything that you've done or anything you could do differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're right. Like, I mean, they're, they're petrified of it because despite being like having tenured jobs or like, you know, like a, a well-established home ownership, you know, all, all the the foundations of like American, like upper middle class life. The only real threat to them being downwardly mobile is if someone like, I don't know, unsurfaces their book review of. Charles Murray's The Negroid Skull and Our Discontents. <laughs> These ideas must be heard. This somehow ran in like the New Republic while everyone's alive, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every, all, everyone like had seen that issue while they walked to work, but like it's now somehow become everyone's business. I was just going to say the bit about like your perfect life becoming a perfect nightmare is one of those like, it, again, it's one of those pieces from the bits from that story that like almost reads like satire, like that that's like kind of like a lifetime movie description of someone who committed vehicular homicide. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the parents of those kids, their life turned into a nightmare pretty fucking right. quick, too. <laughs> yeah. But you does can anyone say that they're also the, living a nightmare. The fucking do nothing, non-productive, rich shithead that killed them on a whim. <laughs> like, does anyone spare a thought for that? No, probably not. Not in Joe Biden's America. <laughs> uh, wokeism is truly uh, it's, it's, the woke mind virus has poisoned everyone, including uh. children in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, well, to close out today's episode, look, we, we talked a lot about turkeys today, but I thought we would close out today. Look, there, there's a litany of bad Thanksgiving columns that are, you know I, I I could choose to do a reading series on, but I'm not going to do it because what's the reason for this season? Being thankful. So. I'd like to do a reading series now on a man who I am truly thankful for, the, 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 the antithesis to the turkeys we just talked about now, a man of genuine genius, vision, who we've spoken about before, by all rights should be and will be North America's Napoleon Bonaparte. That's right. I'm talking about James motherfucking Cameron. And GQ has come through with an amazing profile of Mr. Cameron that I have to, I have to share here now as a, a evidence of something I am thankful for, uh, of a man I do genuinely admire, and just, you know, an inspiration that we should all take into this new year and into Avatar The Way of Water upon <laughs> release in IMAX 3D. But uh, this is a GQ profile of uh, James Cameron. It just came out the other day. And I'm just going to read a little bit from it. After James Cameron's Avatar came out in 2009 and made $2.7 billion, the director found the deepest point that exists in all of Earth's oceans, and in time, he dove to it. 
When Cameron reached the bottom of the Mariana Trench, a couple hundred miles off the southwest coast of Guam in March 2012, he became the first person in history to descend the 6.8-mile distance solo and only one of a few people to ever go that deep. Since then, others have followed, most prominently a private equity titan and former Naval Reserve Intelligence officer turned explorer named Victor Vescovo. But Cameron is adamant that none have surpassed him. Vescovo, Cameron told me, claimed he went deeper, but you can't. So basically, he's just making shit up. <laughs> and what I love about this article is that going through it, like, you really do get the sense that, like, James Cameron is everything Elon Musk, like, caps about being. Yeah. Like, he is generally a guy who has mastered, like, every aspect of, like, the filmmaking process and pushes himself and, like, genuinely pushes his creative vision and brings humanity along with him. Is that, like, if the light of consciousness will be preserved in the stars, it's going to be James fucking Cameron that does it, not this fucking uh, idiotic reply guy and his fake companies. Yeah. I think the word visionary is, like, I mean, there's a lot of words that have been treated really bad over the last, you know, whatever, half a decade. That one, getting that applied to like seeing Musk described as a visionary to me when he seems just like pathologically incurious and boring. Like Cameron as a visionary, like it's so legitimately a visionary that I don't understand where he gets his shit. Like there was a <laughs> bit from like, this was an, uh, from an old interview where he, I was like some, it wasn't aliens. It was like something that he had, maybe it was the abyss where he was like, yeah, like I was taking Molly and listening to Sting's Fields of Gold and then it just came to me and stuff. And it's <laughs> like the whole process is so fucking borked and weird and distinctively him that I was like, yeah, I guess that's where you would get your ideas. Like, but I can't say that that's wrong. Like he's always fucking right. Like I think Matt posted, I don't know if you've said this on the show or if you posted it about him. I'm like, but you, you were just like, he sees further than you, which yeah. he does. Like, that's and that's, a, you have to just accept that. Right. So tip your cap. Like that's like, I don't need to understand the process that created avatar. It seemed pretty silly to me personally, but I'm a fucking idiot. Like, and he's James Cameron. <laughs> so like my uh, opinion should not be valid there. Well, this article does talk about his, his vision board that's in his head. Uh, right here. Cameron has a rich dream life to this day. He told me, I have my own private streaming service. that's better than any of that shit out there. And it runs every night for free. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Avatar 2 originally came to Cameron while he was asleep. I woke up after dreaming of this kind of bioluminescent forest with these trees that kind of look like fiber optic lamps and this river that was glowing bioluminescent particles and kind of a purple moss on the ground that lit up when you walked on it. All these kinds of lizards that didn't look much like, uh, that don't look like much until they took off. And then they turned into these rotating fans, kind of like living frisbees. And they come down and land on something. It was all in the dream. I woke up super excited and I actually drew it. So I actually have a drawing. It saved us from about 10 lawsuits. Any successful film, there's always some freak with tinfoil under their wig that thinks you've beamed the idea out of their head. And it turned out there were 10 or 11 of them. So I pointed to this drawing I did when I was 19, when I was going to Fullerton Junior College and said, see this? See those glowing trees? See this glowing lizard that spins around? That's orange. See the purple moss? And everybody went away. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's winning lawsuits with doodles he did when he was 19 that just said, no, Avatar, that whole world, it came exactly out of every single one of my brain cells and nothing else. God, I don't know. I, I think that uh, I think I'd like to see a billion dollar film uh, inspired by uh, patriot.biz memes. <laughs> I think I think Elon should really try to try to get into the the dream weaving world like Cameron and 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 use uh, lifted memes to yep. just like do a collage. It's going to make a, a one billion dollars on it. A we'll billion dollar movie like. literalizing drill skeleton wars tweet and then claiming <laughs> it as his own. That would be awesome. That would yeah. be. I would. I would argue honestly. Argue that would be pretty based. <laughs> so that would yeah, be so pretty it, fucking based. I mean, like, yeah, like, Matt, you, you've talked before about Cameron as, like, a Napoleon and someone who should be, like, a global dictator. Uh, here's another evidence for that. He says, Cameron is proud to work at the biggest scale possible. Terminator 2, Judgment Day, True Lies, and Titanic were all among the most expensive films ever made at their time of relief. And I used to be really defensive about that because it was always the, th the first thing anybody would mention, Cameron said. And now I'm like, if I can make a business case to spend a billion dollars on a movie, I will fucking do it. Do you want to know why? Because we don't put it all in a pile and light it on fire. We give it to people. <laughs> Dude, the guy 
if the, if there's anyone who should be given a billion dollars to like pursue a project of just whatever whatever is on his mind, it's fucking James Cameron. Yeah. I mean, like Tesla just rolled out their new like self driving AI this morning, and it caused like a six car pileup on the Bay Bridge that backed up traffic <laughs> for like. <laughs> Six months now, they're going to be clearing that shit out. Oh, by the way, speaking of obnoxious reply guys, did you see Tim Pool's reply to Elon about the self-driving car? It was, he was fantastic. Like, Wonderful car, sir. I'm a little concerned by the fact that it keeps breaking randomly on the highway. There's and so many of them, but it's still decelerating. Yeah, it's excellent. That's such the like Tesla owner. Like they have to just sort of like preemptively like prostrate themselves before they're like. Sir, like, I can't tell you what an honor it is to be driving this car. However, I am trapped in it right now. It is on fire and extremely hot. Please release the locks. But if you don't begin with the sort of, like, it's been, like, if this is how I go, it's been the great honor of my life to die at your hand, sir. <laughs> like, then he won't acknowledge it somehow. The Yeah, that, uh, the whole Tesla, I've been fascinated by the Tesla hardcore, like, the ultras, the subculture of it. There's a guy, one of my, I think my favorite Twitter name is a guy named goes by at Jeff tutorials who's yes. become like all of these guys has become a reactionary. Like it's what happens. But initially it was just like Tesla tricks from a guy that really loves them. And so it would just sort of be like, are you tired of your like car? Like trying to drive under a school bus. Like there's an easy hack for that. Actually, <laughs> you just need to, like, you'll need a soldering iron, but like, here's how you do it. Those guys are inspirational to me. Like, and I do feel like, whatever, if, if Cameron had an army of, like, weird followers like that, the world would probably be uh, kinder, and at the very least, they'd be supplicating themselves in the right direction. I mean, he's got one. He's got one yes. in me. <laughs> if he has, if he, I like the tone of alive, his quotes. You're really capturing thing. this. Yeah. That he's, like, even these, like, super friendly questions for the profile where he's sort of like, well, I'll fucking tell you why that is, actually. <laughs> no, he's, he's not shying away at all. Uh, just another thing, it says, Cameron, in his nearly 40 years of filmmaking, has earned a reputation for having a temper. Some would say he's earned the reputation several times over. On more than one Cameron set, crew members have taken to wearing shirts that read, you can't scare me, I work for Jim Cameron. Cameron is well aware of this. I think there was a period of time early on where that reputation worked in my favor, he told me later, and it took on this Paul Bunyan-esque, slightly larger-than-life quality. And there was a legitimate time when I looked at, like, all right, why am I getting so upset, and what is that solving? I'm not saying I don't get upset once in a while. I mean, everybody, I think, is entitled to a bad day. But whereas before it might have been once every couple of weeks, now it's, like, twice a year. Cameron recalled working with Ron Howard, the famously nice director, on the visual effects for Apollo 13. And I just watched what a great guy he was. And I'm like, I'm a total asshole compared to Ron Howard. I have to get in touch with my inner Ron Howard. He probably has bad days too. I don't know. But I didn't see it. And he was so complimentary to people. I always figured that no negative comment was the equivalent of a compliment. That's not how people are wired at all. You actually have to say it out loud. Radical He's learning. Kindness. He's learning and growing. <laughs> yeah. He didn't decide, yeah, he, he, actually, it's everyone else's problem that, that, that I get mad at them. And I'm going to buy a social media site to affirm that. Yeah. It is kind of inspiring whenever a rich guy has even like a little flicker of insight like that. Like this is a guy that's incredibly like unassailably successful and wealthy. And the idea that like the insight that it is not always someone else's problem is like, it's not a remarkable thing. I think that that's like a, one of the basic baseline observations you have as an adult, if you're like going to grow into any kind of person worth being. And yet it is like, for someone of his stature, that is like watching a dog dunk a basketball. Because the money, ex I mean, that's what the money does. That's Even yeah. if you don't intend it to do that, it makes it so that you can buy off ever having to uh, inwardly reflect on anything. And you can yeah. build a world that blames everything on some somebody else. And then you can live in that world. You can, you can create that universe and there's nothing to stop you. Like, I'll, I'll say like a little, little personal insight here. I will say, I won't say how we gained access to this, but... Uh, like a, a year or two ago, Matt and I were given the opportunity to be on a Zoom call with James Cameron, and it was ostensibly like this is this is what a real one he is. He was giving, he was answering questions from a high school class who had just studied the Titanic for a semester, and he took like an hour out of his after you know an hour from his like Avatar compound in New Zealand to just like fully engage earnestly and like like you know just very like 
very impressed by these teenagers and had give, given him like the full measure of himself to just answer questions about the Titanic. And, you know, he had his Fox racing gear on and he couldn't have been more generous with these kids. He didn't seem like an asshole at all. But the one thing I'll never forget him saying is that one of the kids asked him, like, you know, what, uh, why, like, what interested you the most when you started researching the, like, the Titanic disaster and like writing this movie? And then like the perfect James Cameron reply, he said, well, initially the forensics. But after I really started studying, studying it and the people involved in it, it was really just about like the people and their emotions. <laughs> Incredible. I just love that. Yeah, the forensics is what got me into the Titanic. Yeah, and like, just how, like, how did this did boat actually break yeah, apart? Say, like, what happened? Yeah, yeah, what happened? <laughs> and then like, and then to achieve that, what did he do? Uh, built a submarine to go film the actual Titanic sitting at the fucking bottom yep. of the North Atlantic. That's what I was going to say is so remarkable at it. Like he really did make himself like one of like he's recognized as one of the world's experts on this particular topic. Right. Yeah. Like it's not like a, a bullshit thing where you're kind of like, you know, actually also celebrity director James Cameron has studied this. Very much. It's like the people that actually study it respect the work that he's done, which is yeah, amazing, especially given that, you know, like whatever, stack that up against like you want to bring Kyrie Irving into it, but the idea of just like, an, like a still image from an episode of ancient aliens, completely rewiring your brain and just, and you accept that as correct as opposed to being like, well, I don't know what happened forensically with this extremely well-documented disaster and I'm going to figure it out. And then you do you hear you know, a, a, a big thing that's supposed to be a, uh, a argument against uh, socialism is, is well, if you don't allow people to, you know, uh, pursue their grandest ambitions, then how uh, are you going to have greatness uh, in your society? Uh, and you look at a guy like James Cameron and you're like, well, in any kind of socialist society, he would be able to do something amazing. But what the fuck would Elon Musk or Donald Trump have to contribute if they did not just have their giant hoarded pile of lucre to to uh, make reality for them? It doesn't seem like, like they want very much. That's always the part of it that's kind of like, I mean, I, I don't want a, a billion dollars necessarily, but I feel like if I had it, there's things I'd want to do with it. It seems like so many of the people that have it like are just they're bored, they're miserable, like they just sort of want to like reupholster every couch in their home to make it softer and more welcoming <laughs> to them. That like, I, I guess I don't see the the lack of ambition there uh, as being like like not even comprehensible. Like obviously I don't admire it, but I just I can't. It doesn't scan in that way. They're mutants. They've been yeah. mutated. Like being around that money, it's like it has uh, the the money is like it's got a um, it's got a, like a radioactive signature, and you don't even know that you're being exposed to it, and it's literally like destroying your DNA without you even knowing it. Believe, uh, so a few it. a few other few details from Cameron. Uh, he's a, he's a big proponent of uh, a vegan plant based diet, and it goes on to say Cameron even went so far as to try to rebrand the lifestyle. I tried to come up with a good term for it because vegan has all these connotations. How many vegans does it take to screw in a light bulb? It doesn't matter. I'm better than you. You just want to punch a vegan. Punch a vegan today. It'll feel good. So the term I came up with is future vor. We're eating the way people will eat in the future. We're just doing it early. And I'm like, what a bro. What? Dude, like, he's got it. <laughs> he's fucking nailed yep. it. Uh, then there's some uh, there's some good stuff about the like the battles he had with Fox executives over uh, making Avatar, including one who said we we love it, but could you do without all the the, the hippie tree hugging bullshit? And he just says I'm making this movie because of the tree hugging bullshit. <laughs> and if you don't want it, then I'm taking it elsewhere. It goes on to say in the end, Fox did come back, and Cameron made Avatar with the studio. The Way of Water was also a Fox project before the company was bought and subsumed by Disney. But Cameron still remembers an executive at the country get the company who will go unnamed because this is a really negative review who approached Cameron with a stricken cancer diagnosis expression after a pre-release screening of the film and begged the director to shorten it I said something I've never said to anybody else in the business Cameron recalled he said he told him I think this movie is going to make all the fucking money and when it does it's going to be too late for you to love the film the time for you to love the movie is today so I'm not asking you to say something you don't feel, but just know that I will always know that no matter how complimentary you are about the movie in the future when it makes all the money, and that's exactly what I said in all caps, all the money. Not some of the money, all of the fucking money. I said, you can't come back to me and compliment the film or chum along and say, look what we did together. You won't be able to do that. At that point, that particular studio executive flipped out and went bug shit on me, and I told him to get the fuck out of my office, and that's where it was left. Just... His, his, God, his God status cannot be denied. 
Yeah. Just earnestly being like that, like that's such a, if anybody wrote that speech for a character, it would be overstated. And it would also, it would be written in like some sort of like Sorkin-y hammer, you know, on a nail sort of way. I just feel like that's probably the way that James Cameron talks like half the time that he's talking. And just the, just the confidence to call his shot like that, because like, yeah. I don't know. I, I could totally imagine, I mean, you know, like, and I love Cameron, but I could totally imagine being that studio executive and seeing a three and a half hour movie about like blue cat people and the earth right, tree space and cats. just being like, Ooh, I don't know if this is going to pan out, you know, but he's like, no, either you get on board now and you love the movie or you will be written out of the book of life when it makes <laughs> all of the money. Right? <laughs> uh, just like, I'd be like, just the just to bring the hammer down that hard on a studio executive to be like, and also like just getting exactly who these people are. You'd be like, okay, look, when it's successful, I don't want to hear a bar of you coming along and saying, look at all this great work we did together. The time for you to love the movie is now. And you must love the movie without a second's worth of difference between what you just saw and what will be in the theater. It's pretty devastating because I think he knows certainly from this point in his career that like that guy is going to have to come back to him and be like, Jim, baby, like really looking forward to giving you somehow more money to make the next version of the fucking Space Cats movie and it's all underwater this time. Like he has to come (laughs) back. He knows. And so like taking advantage of that leverage in the moment before you've released your three and a half hour Space Cat environmental opus is like uh to describe it as a flex does not begin i think to really <laughs> yeah cover it. um so like the last part of the article talks about um basically he, he had <laughs> after he made avatar uh and and went to the deepest part of the ocean for the first human being ever to do that he had an ambition to make a documentary in space that, <laughs> that would require him being on the international space station and it just says here cameron thought about it He said to himself, maybe everything I've been doing over the last few years leads to this exact moment where the administrator of NASA is willing to make a solid deal to fly me to space on the space shuttle. But he looked in his heart and decided, no, he would only go to space on his own terms. I've said, I've got to say no. I want to stick to my plan, even if it can't happen, even if it ultimately gets derailed. First of all, there was a long pause. And Dan looks over me and he says, now, I know you're serious. I said, damn right, I'm serious. Golden let him in line to go to the ISS. Cameron went to Houston and started training. He began mapping out the logistics of his shoot. And they were going to fly me, Cameron told me. And then the Columbia was lost. February 1st, 2003, the space shuttle Columbia disintegrates on reentry, taking with it seven souls. Cameron went to their memorial service, but he never got to go to space. I guess this was after Titanic. He wanted to make a movie in space. And he goes, I asked what level of regret he had about this. The fact that he never went zero he said different life the stuff i did instead was equally cool yeah it would have been great and i think if i really had really really put my mind to it i could have manifested that a few years later with a better camera system and an even better plan but see by then i was into avatar and that was a whole other level of cool so (laughs) he can't be stopped he can't be said i'd found something cooler than going to space Fucking hey man, I'm going for you. I'm going to give thousands of people uh, 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 acute schizophrenia by <laughs> Im- immersing them in a world that they don't want to leave. So yeah, I guess, I guess this is where I want to leave it today. It's um, James Cameron is everything people imagine Elon Musk to be, and I am to James Cameron what all of his reply guys are to him. <laughs> Yes, you got to serve somebody, for God's sake. Yeah. Make it somebody who's worth it. You're not going to be trapped inside of a burning four-hour space action movie and have to apologize for being trapped in it before he'll let you out. <laughs> yes, the theater will not spontaneously explode when you go to see The, the Way to Water. That's the James Cameron promise. And, you know, like, like Elon has a fake engineering degree that he lied about. It's very clear does not know how to code at all. Doesn't even understand what code is. He thinks code is just like the the the, the matrix, right? When you just see like like numbers just like flickering on a computer screen. He, whereas this article makes clear James Cameron on a film set, like people like at times don't like working for him or think he's a tyrant because he does understand how to do every single job on a film set from like cinematography to lighting to fucking like a key grip to sound like like he knows every single technical detail of every single aspect of the industrial production of movies and special effects as good as the guy whose job it is to do that on a set and as a director he says you know like a lot of times as a director you can just sort of sit there and be like okay like here's the vision do that do this yes no 
but he really can he can run every single thing himself on a film set, which is probably a pretty scary workplace to be in in that sense because I feel like so much of any workplace is being able to get away with the fact that either your boss doesn't know exactly what you do or yeah. doesn't care very much about it, and so he's going to give you like either way you get like some leeway. But if you're like <laughs> if James Cameron is like I could be a better script supervisor than you, and you know that that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a fucking cold shot. That is not easy to do. Yeah, bear. you can't say, oh, like, uh, no, th- like, th- this is the way I do it. Or, like, this is the way I learned to do it. Like, or this is the better way. This will save us time or money. No, you got no margin for error whatsoever with this guy. Right. Because Cameron could be like, I invented this camera. Like, I, <laughs> I realized that there wasn't a camera that did what I wanted it to do. So I had a guy come up with this and I know exactly how it works. And you're not correct. Well, there we go. I mean, after a long list of turkeys, you know, God Emperor James Cameron, I think he's someone we could all. And should be thankful for. And in fact, if you're not thankful for him, I think you should be disciplined by the, the state. The time for you to get right with James Cameron is now, not <laughs> yes. after the release of Way of Water. You don't want to be there like, oh, I, I, I knew it was going to be a success. Uh, no, you were a, f- a false heart. We, all, no. we can all tell. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, David, thank you so much for joining us today. If people want more David Roth in their life, uh, where should they go? What should they do? Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, Defector.com is the website. Uh, it's subscription base but you'll be able to read some free stories and decide if you like it or not and then uh this is a funny little grace note to end things on and i'm still on twitter uh like everybody else at david <laughs> underscore j underscore roth on there. it'll be a but cold yeah. day in hell when i'm on mastodon i'll say i'll say it's that not much. happening folks. <laughs> it's not it's happening not going to occur <laughs> all right everybody once again happy thanksgiving come on england until next time bye 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 thanks you'll remember Forget the sun